Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to Get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 70 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching the first three episodes of Soul Eater. Yeah, this is a really good show that tells you the ins and outs of cooking a, a very good Kinshin soul with uh, just the right hint of rosemary and thyme that you just want to add into the broth at about 400 degrees before putting it into the oven to have it bake off that, you know, kind of griminess that you get from murdering people. You know how they do in Soul Eater. Let's jump in. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, I, I did my best to write something up beforehand. Uh, that's the joke you got, so fuck it. Um, anyways, you just gotta live with um, the jokes you get. <laughs> We're uh, we're finishing up the year. Um, after this episode, we have our um, uh, year-end finale double-long episode, yeah. so get prepared for that. I've been um, really looking forward also, to it since last year's, because that was really fun. Yeah, we've also been having um, a lot of really cool, or mostly me, um, I've been having a lot of informational conversations with like random people through Facebook, um, through Twitter. Uh, I've been talking to people on Reddit as well, how they're feeling about the Cowboy Bebop live action adaptation on Netflix is coming out. Uh, it's It's been really good, and it's been really interesting to connect with the people that are listening to the show. So if you're listening and you want to reach out to us, please do. Um, I, I actually took, um, I, I sent out a message today to a couple of different boards that asked them about like, we're starting to do soul eater. What are some of the things that you would like us to research about soul eater? Um, uh, a couple of the people that came back to me about it, um, wanted to know if there were other shows that I had seen that were like soul eater. Hmm. Um, which That's is just kind of like a suggestion sort of thing. Um, I would say if you're looking for something of like the the same comedy value uh, as Soul Eater, you're you can't really go wrong with uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Um, it's yeah. it's really it has it's really close. Seven Deadly Sins has a a good action like Soul Eater. I think Soul Eater is a little more stylized, but they they match each other a little bit. I would say One Punch Man is also funny in a very similar way. Yeah, I, I would say if you're going for, like, the, the sheer weirdness of it, though, you're probably going to be looking for something that's closer to, like, Fully Cooley. Um, yeah. Fully Cooley does a, a really Although good job of kind of, like, breaking that mold, too. That is really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, the newer seasons of Fully Cooley, which I still refuse to watch until we start covering it on the show, um, are supposed to be um, more uh, of, a, like, a different feel than the original show. Um, I've read a couple of articles about it, but if you want to dig into that. And then the other one that I would throw out there, it's not so much about the same, like, fantasy genre but it definitely has the same comedy aspect and the action aspect is Gurren Lagann. Oh so yeah, if that's you, a really if good analog actually. Yeah, so Gurren Lagann is is a mech anime um but that's putting it like really roughly. It's mostly just like a a weird action anime that has like this very interesting subtext of what it means to be a family and to create a family out of being orphaned. Um, it's, it's kind of beautiful, um, the way that they do it. And I, 
I ended up really, really loving that show um, when I saw it the first time, and I would love to watch it again. So if you're if you're interested in stuff like that, definitely check out that show. Yeah, I would actually love for that to be one of our shows in the near future because I have seen the first couple of episodes, but never passed that. And I know it's yeah. like one of the big anime that people love from the last ten years, and. I yeah. kind of it's one of those things where I'm like I always intend to watch it but I also intend to watch a million other things and those things have yeah. been the ones I've watched so far. Cool. Uh so um if you're wondering about Soul Eater though, um a, a, just a brief synopsis of like where Soul Eater came from in the well, first place. I wanted um, to talk about the non Soul Eater stuff first. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> just a couple of quick things. Obviously tenants, we have mentioned that every episode we're going to keep mentioning it. So if you're new or if you don't remember, we have a web series called Tenants. It ran for two seasons. It is getting a re-release right now, and the episodes are pretty funny and pretty fun, and you should watch them. That's on our YouTube channel. Uh, where can people find that, Spencer? Uh, if you go to youtube.com, uh, then forward slash um, uh, Forever Summer Production, you're, you'll go ahead and pull it directly up. Um, it'll take you right to that page. You'll be able to watch like video versions of our podcast. Um, you'll be able to see the re-release of tenants, a couple of shorts. And we're also working on like more shorts that we're going to be starting to shoot really soon. Yeah. Um, so if you want to check out like some random content, it's going to be there. Yeah. We're um, hoping to get a lot more stuff up there. It's probably going to take a little bit cause we're in the scripting phase right now. So, you know, producing something takes time. But uh, Spencer's a pretty quick editor, so once it's produced, it should be out very quickly. So it's not going to be like the next week or two, probably, but uh, we've got stuff coming up, and obviously we will keep you posted here. Yeah, Um, absolutely. It's also, right now, it is or has just finished being Hanukkah. I know that sounds weird, and that's because we're recording this episode nine days before it comes out, and actually just a couple of days before the previous episode that you listened to comes out. So we're kind of in the past... But uh, if you are or have celebrated Hanukkah, I hope it was awesome. If you are getting ready to celebrate Christmas in about a week, I hope that's awesome. Um, Which I will probably mention again next week because that'll come out right before Christmas. And Mm -hmm. um, if you're doing Kwanzaa or any other holiday celebrations, or if you don't really celebrate the holidays and you're just kind of trapped in the holiday season with the rest of us, uh, I hope you're having a good time. It's, uh, It's one of my favorite times of year, and I hope you're really enjoying it. Cool. You want to get into Soul Eater? <laughs> uh, last thing, uh, it's going to be old news by the time you're listening to it, but it is new news for me right now. The Avengers 4 trailer has finally come out. Uh, it's Ugh. called Avengers Endgame, and uh, the trailer does a really good job of not telling you pretty much anything that's going to happen. It kind of gives you glimpses of people picking up the pieces after the previous movie or how those pieces have been picked up and how they're kind of still in pieces. But it doesn't really give you any insight into what they're doing outside of something kind of crazy and risky, which is sort of a given. And I'm fucking pumped. The Last Avengers was great. I'm really excited for the the setup that they've given us. This is a, a bad situation that our heroes are in, and I tend to really gravitate towards the parts of the story where things are the darkest and hardest for the heroes so this is really my jam and i'm really pumped about it yeah that's it cool let's move on (laughs) soul eater all right 
So let's just go ahead and start jumping into Soul Eater. So before we get into any of the episodes, uh, we wanted to give you like a brief rundown of where Soul Eater started, what it uh, came from. Um, So it originally was written as a manga uh, by Atsushi Akubo. Akubo? I think it's Okubo. Um, Yeah, it looks like the O is stressed. Yeah. So in uh, in Japanese, um, it was released by Square Enix. Uh, the English publisher was Yin Press, um, and then it's it is a shonen. Uh, it is a shonen. Uh, yeah, because that's uh, what we like. Manga that was being released. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and uh... um, it was released in uh, the monthly shonen Yangen, um, and then it was released in Yin Plus and in the English magazines. Um, its original run was uh, 2004 to 2013, and there's about 25 volumes. Yeah. Um, and there's the uh, anime. There's 51 episodes in the anime, and that started in mm-hmm. 2008 and ran for just under a year, actually, because uh, it makes sense because there's 52 weeks in a year. Most anime release one episode a week, so it follows. Yeah. So it's also released by one of the best anime, um, uh, the, one of the best anime production studios that is out there. Um, so Bones is going to be the studio that covered them. If you're wondering, like, what Bones has put out other than, um, this show, it also put out Full Metal Alchemist, um, Orin High School Host Club. Um, it also put out Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood because they decided yeah. to get the fuck back in there. A um, Seven, um, yeah. Darker Than Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a lot of good shit. This is a super good. Uh, oh, My Hero Academia. Oh yeah, Funko Stray Dogs. <laughs> Uh, they do yeah. really, really good work. They tend to really... Oh, fuck. Mob Psycho 100? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do good stuff. That's what we're getting at. This is a really well-known studio. If you are an anime fan and you pay attention to studios, you have probably noticed these guys and probably liked their work. They are generally oh, yeah. beloved, and it is generally earned, and Soul Eater is no exception to that. Yeah. So in our coverage of Soul Eater, um, because it is a longer series, it's 51 episodes, uh, we will consider covering, um, Soul Eater Not at the very end of it as well. I have never watched Soul Eater Not. Um, I don't know if Blake has ever seen it before either. I have. Um, but we'll come to that. We'll come to that at the end of our coverage of the show um, and see what everybody wants to do. Um, if everybody wants us to cover it as well, I'm totally interested in it. Yeah. It's also um, done but- by bones so it's probably decent and it's only 12 episodes so we could cover it in like three months um yeah but yeah it's it's a spin-off series and i always thought that it was kind of a uh like uh you know like the rock lee spin-off series from naruto that's just like chibi versions of the characters and it's high school hijinks and there's other Mm -hmm. manga that have done that i assumed that was it but reading the sort of skimming i guess the summary here on Wikipedia of Soul Eater Not, it seems like it's actually just kind of a prequel series. Um, yeah. So it might be worth considering. I am i don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, so if you guys want us to cover that, let us know. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say before so, we hop into these episodes? No, man. Sorry. I'm ready to go in. Jump so, into these episodes? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. All what right. show is this? So, 
This is this is episode one. Residents of the soul will Soul Eater become a death site? So will he? Before before we get into the action of the show, and by the way, this show is fucking jam packed with action and comedy. Um, it, and uh, you have heard us bitch about anime comedy here, and for the most part, the comedy in this show is great. Yes. But one of the most beautiful things that they do at the beginning of, I'm pretty sure, every episode is they have this, like, beautiful sequence where she talks about, like, what it is to have the soul, what it is to resonate in your soul. And it, like, it slowly pans across the screen. Yeah. And then they they give you the fucking opening to the Soul Eater. The banging intro of all. When they change it, the intro, it's not bad, but it's still disappointing because this intro is so good. Yeah, they it's it's one of those like um kind of like brainworm anime openings that will yeah. not get the fuck out of your head. It gets once you hear it, gets it stuck one in my time. head frequently like over the last few years and I haven't watched Soul Eater since like 2011. Yeah. And it's got one of those like breakdowns where it like starts getting fast in the middle of it too where yeah. it's like the the part that's like da na 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 I'm like ah, so I can't good. get it out. <laughs> so uh, the the basic um, setup that we get from the opening narration is that there's a school called the DWMA, which I I didn't write down what that means, but basically there's demons and there are these people called weapon meisters and these people that are weapons. And so the meister wields a weapon, and the weapon is a a person who has the ability to turn into that weapon. And they work as a team to take out demons. Um, So the demons are called Kishin and they go to the school called the DWMA. So it's, it's kind of got the Harry Potter, my hero academia backdrop going on. Although I don't think the school plays a huge part in the series overall. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a, a cool backdrop. There's also, we see death, um that is his name he's uh the god of death um also the the word for that is shinigami which you may recognize if you're a fan of bleach because that is basically the word for grim reaper which is actually what the characters in bleach are and what this character is and lots of other characters and lots of other different anime uh death is this goofy asshole with a white mask and his body is completely covered in a black cloak and he has these super big square hands and he's kind of funny and also super scary later on. And, uh, he's the, he's the Dumbledore of the school. And so um, then we get a show. Yeah. We are going to get introduced to our first two main characters. Um, they are going to be tracking Jack the Ripper, um, who he does not look like a human in the same way that you would think you would see like a human inside of the series. So like this show does a lot of things with style. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it really exaggerates things in a way that's wonderful. Yeah, you'll see a lot of moments where it will cut up to the sun or to the moon, and the moon or the sun yeah. will have like a gigantic face on it. Yeah, um, the, and the sun, sun is always is, like, laughing, also panting, or so laughing great. or panting. Well, I that's can't right, tell. Sometimes it gets hot in the desert. Yeah, so um, they are going to cut down to Jack the Ripper, who has just killed a woman in the side of the street. You see a little bit of like. Uh, like a stabbing, ripping silhouette yeah. as he swings across this woman. He's but got instead these, of like, seeing like giant knife claws on his hands. Yeah. It's not like Wolverine, but like he he's wearing these these knives over his fingers. Yeah. So he slices her open, and when she dies, 
her soul comes out in this like blue, little blue orb that has like a, a little wispy on top of it. He then grabs it and eats it. And then you hear a woman behind like start freaking out and then starting to run away. And Jack the Ripper starts chasing after them. Then we get introduced to our two first main characters, uh, Maka and uh, soul. soul Eater. Soul. Yeah, I guess his full <laughs> name is Soul Eater. They always just call him Soul, uh, which mm. is so weird because like. I always think of the show as being named after uh, the the convention that souls are eaten in the series. Mm-hmm. But technically, it's this guy's name, even though he's not the main character. He's one of the main characters. But Maka yeah. is the number one main character, which is his partner. Uh, Maka's cool. She's uh, She's got pigtails. She's, I don't know, youthful, but not super young. And she's pretty badass. She is not... She's kind of a strong, silent type, and she's just a really, really good character. And then Soul is mm-hmm. sort of the more laid-back foil to her. She's sort of serious, and he's a little more chill, and uh, that's mm. their dynamic. Yeah. So uh, Maka is going to uh, fight with Soul, and the way that she fights with Soul is uh, by having Soul release part of his body so that it will turn into a piece of a scythe. And then that scythe can extend until his entire body is composed as a scythe. And then uh, she will swing uh, swing it around and cut whatever fucking demon thing they're trying to fight against. Yeah, the and weapons... I, I, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I cannot over-explain enough uh, inside of the show that the animation quality is superb. Very high. Um, it, is, it is one of the best action sequences that you will see in any show every single episode that they fight in. Yeah. It is it's so on good. par with uh, Samurai Champloo. It is on par with Cowboy Bebop. It is on par with any other action anime that you can think of that has astonishingly good fight sequences. Yeah. That also doesn't fucking hand wave parts of the fight either. Yeah. So, like, when she fights and she, like, does parries with the, uh, the, the scythe, she, you will see her it's like so catch good. it and kick it and spin it around her hand and then be acrobatic, spin over the top of it. There's parts where Soul turns part of his body back into himself so that he can catch himself, then turn back into a psych to jump back into her arms. It is amazingly animated. It's a really good fight. If you guys have not watched it and you want to dip your toe and just see what the action is like in the series... Look up on YouTube, try to find Soul Eater First Fight, Soul Eater Intro Fight, Soul Eater Jack the Ripper, something like that. This The fight is it's super quick. Uh, it's, it's definitely an intro fight. It gets you excited, but it also kind of ends before you're ready for it to, so you have to keep mm-hmm. watching. But if you want a taste yeah. of what this is, it's a, it's a fucking great fight. It shows off the animation. The animation, and not just in the fights, is beautiful. It's crisp. It's fluid. It looks so good, and the fights mm-hmm. are where it really shines, and the first fight is a great way to get into that. So if you haven't watched it or if you need to revisit it and you don't want to watch the series right away, check that out on YouTube. It's worth it, and it'll definitely make you interested in the in the show if you are like us and you're somebody who <laughs> the biggest draw of the show is really bitching fights. 
Yeah. So, um, the next thing that we're going to see is they defeat, uh, Jack the Ripper. When they defeat him, instead of his body being ripped open and then it turns into like, just like a body laying on the floor, when he gets stabbed by the death scythe, his body collapses in on its own soul, which we saw as a, a minute ago, a normal soul is this kind of like bluish whitish tint, but he has turned in what they call a kinchin egg. Um, it's your soul has been, when you start devouring other people's souls and turn evil, you start to turn into a demon. And when you do, your soul starts to turn into this egg that will eventually hatch into a demon. They have to stop these people, uh, these people from turning into demons. So they defeat them. And after you eat 99 of them, plus a witch's soul, you can turn into a death scythe. Um, which is going to be a Basically much a, more powerful version of yourself. Yeah, it's a it's like super sand for the for the weapons. They they just get way stronger. Yeah, um, think of a bankai. Yeah, yeah, bankai is another good way to to look at that. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, they this is soul number ninety nine for them, which means that they are about to take out a witch, and soul is going to turn into a death scythe. So Maka is going to call Death, the uh, the headmaster of their school, and discuss the fact that they are now done with 99 and they're looking for a witch. Death is contacted in a really cool way because she breathes on a window nearby to fog it up and then writes the numbers that she needs to call him into the window. And the numbers, they're like a... It's a sound pun in Japanese, so they are numbers, but those numbers, the way you pronounce them is also like die, die, kill or something like that. And that's the way that they contact Lord Death. And so then they talk to him and he's fucking goofy. And you also see Maka's father, who is Death's weapon. And uh, he is, he's probably the part of the show that's fully comedic that I don't like. For the most part, I do like the comedy in the show. And for the most part, I don't mm. like his comedy. Um, I think I I think I appreciate him more than you probably do, and the probably. biggest reason why is not because he's funny. I appreciate him the most just because he gives a great foil to Maka and who she is. Yeah, so he, he Maka, does set up her situation really well, and he also his humor turns out to be a little bit of a mask as the series goes mm -hmm. on, and I like that. Yeah. So, so we're going to learn that, uh, Maka's father is a little bit of a playboy. That's the reason that he, he and, um, Maka's mother ended up splitting up in the first place is because he couldn't fucking keep it in his pants. Um, so that, uh, that broke up their relationship and it makes it so that like he loves his daughter. Maka thinks that her father is a complete fuck up all the time she does not like him at all, and all he does is chase after her affection. Um, and so he does it. He he can't like stop himself from being a kind of a an obnoxious, you know, uh, to put it in broad terms, an obnoxious shonen character in the term of a teacher. Think uh, Jiraiya from, uh, you know, yeah, Nor he's, Naruto. He, he's Jiraiya, <laughs> but even more over the top. He he has like yeah. full tilt comedy Jiraiya. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he also sets up a situation for Maka wherein she feels that men are often untrustworthy by nature yep. because he mm -hmm. is her major male role model and he has only spent his entire life being untrustworthy. So she has yeah. this kind of chip on her shoulder. Yeah. 
So, um, they are going to go chase after this witch after being told uh, who she is. Um, her name is to Blair, her. and I love yep. how this show uses puns and pop culture and historical figures. It's got Jack the Ripper. We're going to see Al Capone. Um, we're going to see a pharaoh. We've got Blair the Witch. It's really fun. I love this shit. Yeah. So, uh, Blair is, is going to be a, um, a very buxom woman, uh, that you will see. Um, they're yeah, going to go. For, there's a lot of fan service in this, but it doesn't bug me as much as usual because I think it's a yeah. little muted. It's more about the allure rather than like putting boobs right in your face. And yeah. the character reactions to it are actually pretty funny. So I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, I, I still wish it yeah. wasn't there, but it's not bad. Yeah. Anyways, um, so they're going to go into this fight. Uh, Maka is going to tell Sol that he needs to wait so they can plan. Sol does not listen. Um, he jumps directly through Blair's window in her bathroom. She happens to be taking a bath. Yeah, Maka um, is he- Cyclops and Sol is Wolverine. Yeah, so Sol jumps in, falls on Blair, then realizes she's naked, so his nose explodes in blood, which is what they do in anime all the time. Yeah. Um, and he is taken aback by this and gets caught off guard. And as soon as she realizes that um, he is after her, she shoots uh, her power, which is pumpkin explosion or pumpkin cannon, at him. Yeah, she um, uses different and- kinds of explosive pumpkins. She's basically the Green Goblin. Yeah, except for sometimes it can shoot out in, like, a laser beam. Think, like, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, Um, it's an anime. It's uh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, so they're going to do this a couple of more times. Uh, Each time they are thwarted by Blair, um, and they are not able to function together correctly. Um, Either Soul is not listening to her, or Soul is not listening to her, or Soul is not listening to her. Yeah. Um, Each time, Maka is getting more frustrated with Soul. And you get to see this great dynamic that they have together um, by uh, she doesn't trust him. He is getting frustrated because uh, Blair is just like, look, if she doesn't trust you, you should just come be my pet and you should be my partner. Yeah. Um, And there's a little bit of a seducement there as well. Like maybe they might do some stuff, but even if they don't, Sol gets to hang out with this hot girl and he doesn't think Maka's that attractive. And so he's kind of having that like baseline stereotypical male thought process versus like the higher functioning relationship that he has with Maka. Yeah. We also get an amazing time. Um, we get this moment that is going to replay throughout the show over and over and over again, where you see, um, uh, soul sitting at a piano. Um, and it's in like this weird blacked out room. Um, and Maka comes in and agrees to be, his partner. And one of the coolest things about this show, uh, we'll dive into this more after we get introduced to all the different characters, but this world is a world within a separate world. Think bleach. Um, except for the overarching world has something catastrophic that has happened to it. And I, when I say that, think adventure time where like, I was just thinking adventure time. Yeah. Something has happened, but they don't allude to it and they don't talk about it all the time. So you have to pick up on it from context clues. So yeah. um, it's going to just like at Adventure Time, it will become more clear and more important as the show goes on. 
way more important as the show goes on. Um, anyways, the battle is going to ensue between uh, Blair, Maka, and Sol. Um, Sol and Maka are getting the shit kicked out of them by Blair. Um, Largely because they're not cooperating. Yeah. And um, as soon as Blair gets a real upper hand, there's a moment where Sol pretends to like walk away from Maka. Um, in this moment at the start of the show, I-, I had seen it like three times beforehand. So I was like, oh, I know it's coming. But if you're watching it for the first time, you could legitimately think that Sol is being a complete bastard here. Yeah. Um, he seems to be walking away from Maka, telling her that she she's not a woman. He doesn't want to be with somebody that's not a woman and is never going to be attractive to him. Um, he's saying these just terrible things to her to elicit this reaction because he knows her relationship with her father. He is actually uh, pulling a foil onto Maka, though. He is he is like um, trying to elicit this true emotion so Blair will drop her guard and he will release his arm into a death scythe, say to Maka that's like, now's the time I was actually bluffing and they're going to rip the witch Blair in half. Yeah, she, Maka is basically going to be upset with him because he's done this ruse, kind of played with their emotions, which is fair. Uh-huh. And Saul is going to say a line that I actually wrote down because I think it's kind of an arc word for the whole show, which is the issue isn't about one's form, it's about one's soul. And this is him yeah. kind of rebuking her, stereotyping all men as the same kind of dude as her father. Like, it doesn't matter what I look like on the outside, it matters who I am on the inside. And that also plays into things like Jack the Ripper turning himself into a demon by killing people and eating their souls. There's this sort of idea that what you, what you do really shapes who you are and moves your destiny forward. And that's very foundational to the series. Yeah. So the end of this episode, we are going to find out after soul eats this witch's soul or what he thinks is a witch's soul that he didn't actually eat a witch's soul. Um, it turns out that Blair is a very powerful magical cat. Um, he has eaten a cat soul. Um, and so because they fucked up, they lose all of the souls that they had before and they have to reclaim another 99 souls and then a witch's soul without fucking up again. Um, it's, it's a great turn on its head. It's a great way to like take the show back to one without you having to actually start at one where the person is coming into the academy for the first day. I like I really like that they drop you in with all these characters already having a relationship with each other. Um, yeah, and they're so- already competent, so we don't have to watch them learn competence because that often unless you're a my hero academia where the characters can be some level of competent but they have somewhere to grow. Um mm. It's hard to do that. It's hard to watch characters go from knowing nothing to knowing a lot of things, especially when you have seen the show before. This is the problem we're having with Naruto, is that we know how strong and how competent they can get, so watching them be bumbling idiots can be kind of hard. Uh, So we don't have that with this show. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, we are going to um, jump from that episode to episode two. Um, I am the star. The big man is showing up here. Yeah, the best uh, so, character. Yes. So this character, um, if you were thinking to yourself, man, I wish Naruto was competent and also had a, a cooler, um, he was funnier and actually funny, and he was cooler and actually cooler all the time, yeah. you're going to love Blackstar. <laughs> He's so fucking cool. He's this little ninja kid, I would say fairly clearly riffing on Naruto, at least a little bit. 
He has oh, that yeah. sort of like modernized look, but he's a ninja. He's supposed to be this great ninja, but he's kind of a loud show off asshole. But he also is also sort of kind of competent sometimes, surprisingly. Um, mm-hmm. He's great. He's he's this little kid, and he he is all about the fact that he is a superstar. His name mm-hmm. is not literally Black Star, but that's the name he's given himself. He ha- gives people autographs. He is supposed to be this ninja assassin, but he announces his presence because he wants people to know that it's him and be amazed that it's him. He is hilarious and charming, and I love him. And let's talk about what he does. Cool. So um, Black Star's partner is going to be uh, named Tsubaki, um, and they are going to be sn- uh, sneaking up on Al Capone, who is um, uh, a mobster from uh, the United States, if you don't know about him. Um, he was very Chicago, famous. Chicago, where we like, used to live. Yeah. So um, th- what they were doing inside of this is like, it- it's a played up version of Al Capone and then his like mobster family. All his mobster family have like these weird metalish face- faces, kind of like chomp chomps from uh, Mario. Yeah. Kinda. Um, and Al Capone is sitting at the front of the table and they're all eating um, with like knives and forks, a whole bunch of souls that are on the table. Um, yeah, you you get the impression it's not completely laid out, but it, Al Capone's going to say some shit here. We're basically the uh, weapons can eat the the corrupted souls of people to turn themselves into death scythes, but regular people can eat a lot of human souls and a witch's soul. So witches are really an endangered species in this series. But yeah, uh, for real. the these villains are eating human souls, the the pure, untainted, just regular person souls. To gain strength, yeah. and then if they eat weapon witches souls, they, it's a little bit less defined, but something will happen to make them much more powerful as well. And that's what Alpha we'll going that for later on. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, so um, they are are being snuck up on by Black Star and Tsubaki. Um, and you think that he is actually going to live by the principles that he is reading off. As he goes closer to fight them, they're him. all about how to be an assassin and how you have to like hide your hide your strength, hide your like breath, hide everything about you so that you can't be felt. And they are dead before they even realize that somebody is there with them. Instead, he jumps down onto the fucking table, announces his presence, and they all pull out guns and start shooting at him. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So basically, they chase Black Star and his weapon, Tsubaki, away. And Tsubaki's cool. She, her normal form is to be a kunai or a pair of kunai connected by chains. Um, but she, or I don't think it's kunai actually, because kunai look a little bit differently. It's sort of like a scythe like. Sort of like a sword that bends at a 90 degree angle. It's kind of short. There's probably a name for it, and I'm sure one of you knows it. So let us know. Uh, It's not quite a kunai, I don't think. But it's connected by a chain. That's his base form. But Tsubaki is a cool weapon because she can turn into other things. We're going to see her turn into a smoke bomb. We're going to see her turn into a shuriken. One or two other things uh, just in this episode alone. Um, And as far as I know, that's unique to Tsubaki. Most weapons turn into their one weapon form, and that's it. So I like that. It fits with the ninja motif. Um, Anyway, they're going to get chased away and um, they're going to have to talk to death, um, Lord death, who tells them that Al Capone and his gang are going after this witch named Angela. And there are about a hundred people in Al Capone's gang. So the good news is that black star, if he can take out the entire gang 
and the witch, he will get his 99 souls and one witch soul all at once, and Tsubaki can become a death scythe. So he's pretty pumped about this, and he runs away, and as he leaves, Death is like, well, there's one thing you should know about Angela. Oh, you're already gone. Okay. Yep. So um, he is going to go try to to stop uh, Angela, or kill Angela, and stop uh, Al Capone. But before he gets there, um, we are going to uh, have like a couple of brief asides. Um, the first one is going to be um, we are going to see Al Capone um, and his gang wander up on Angela's castle. And it's being protected by a character that we're going to see one other time other than this one, I think. He might be twice, but his name is Mifune. Um, he is a badass character inside yeah, of the show. Yeah, really cool. Um, Anytime that you see somebody fight inside of the show, if they are somebody that looks badass, um, this show never fails to actually give you what you want, which is a super cool fight. It takes concepts that you've seen before and puts something quirky onto it that makes it feel super stylish and exciting and fresh. And Mifune's no exception to this. So we're about to get into that, but we're not going to see his fight with Capone and the gang just yet. Mm -hmm. He basically says, I am here. I'm protecting Angela. If you want to get to her, you've got to go through me first. And I'm going to give you one chance to leave or I'm going to kill all of you. Uh, Then we're going to cut to the school and we'll basically just get a quick scene that establishes the fact that Blackstar and Tsubaki are friends with Maka and Soul. And uh, that Soul and Blackstar in particular are pretty close. Yeah, they really get along. And yeah. I think it's just because they are sort of like ki- like kindred spirits. Yeah, um, Subaki and Maka are both the competent ladies in the group. And Soul and Blackstar are kind of the impulsive guys. Uh, and I mm-hmm. like that, that they, they have that, but they also have a sort of role reversal because Maka and Blackstar are the Meisters and Subaki and Soul are the weapons. So you have that role reversal where... Maka, the competent one, is urging her weapon to work with her, whereas Tsubaki is trying to get her wielder to work in a smarter way. Uh, yeah. So nice. we are going to then cut back to Blackstar getting uh, threatened by uh, by this, um, being told by Tsubaki that he needs to like grow up and he needs to you know actually work towards something. Um, there is a a lot of there's a a couple of fan servicey things that happen where Blackstar is going to like sneak up on women that are in a bath, including Subaki. Um, yeah, and she where always going to get. She throws shuriken in the middle of his forehead, and it always like spouts blood. It's funny. I yeah. again, it's fan service, and I generally detest fan service. But if it's got to be yeah. fan service, this is the best we've got so far. Yeah, and then uh, we're going to have um, uh, a cool moment where um, Blackstar is climbing up the mountain um, trying to get to where Al Capone, he thinks, is, um, and uh, where Angela, the witch, is going to be. Um, he climbs up the mountain. He jumps down. He notices that there's a whole bunch of kitchen souls that are just floating out in the middle of nowhere. We know this because they're these red souls. Um, they're just kind of like floating around. And then we see Mifune sitting down in front of the opening for uh, the witch's castle. He tells Blackstar that he needs to go back. He's like, I don't want to hurt you. You don't seem like you're an evil person, but if you try to get inside of here, I will have to stop you. And I uh, don't know if I'll be able to stop myself from killing you. Yeah. And he, 
he makes it very clear that these Kishin souls that are floating everywhere are Capone and his gang. He took them yeah. out, and uh, he also says something to Black Star, where he's like, "You know, if you keep coming, I'm going to have to kill you. And if I kill a kid, if I have to kill a kid, it's going to weigh on my soul and make it hard for me to sleep." Um, yeah. Black Star is not going to be deterred, and they're going to start to fight. And this is where Mifune he is going to have a a sort of weird sword style, kind of like Roanoa Zolo from uh, um, One Piece, where he's got like the sword in his mouth. And there's a couple other characters, like a Killer Bee from Naruto. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the times you'll see swordsmen that have extra swords that make them do sort of a weird, unique, pretty much anime-only style. And uh, Mifune is no exception. He has an entire case full of swords that he throws up into the air and swords scatter everywhere. And this basically allows him to grab a sword whenever he needs it. And uh, he, he has covered the battlefield with swords. So he's always going to have one to two weapons at any time because there's a sword nearby. Um, mm-hmm. But the extra little bit of style that he adds into it is that there's caution tape that just strings itself up around the battlefield and across the swords and the pillars and stuff nearby and it creates this this physical barrier that adds complexity to the battlefield and adds a visual element to the scene that just looks great. I just love yeah. the style of this show. Yeah. So, um uh Mifune is going to quickly disperse of Blackstar. He is going to um he is going to take him down very quickly. Blackstar is all up inside of his uh his own head where yeah. he thinks like, I'm the biggest person here. I should be able to take you down. No, no problem. Yeah, um, he, putting all this like pump. from the start. And Blackstar yeah, does he, get the upper hand for a moment when he mm-hmm. has Subaki turn into a smoke bomb, but he squanders it immediately by screaming his victory as he leaps high above Mifune, which gives Mifune yeah. the chance to slash at him and knock mm-hmm. him down. But, Yifene blunts the blade by slashing with the back end. Yeah, and then we have this fucking fantastic moment, which makes you love Blackstar the most. Where Blackstar is just like, all right, if I'm going to have to do this and you're going to talk shit about me, I might just have to get serious. And this is one of my favorite get serious moments because he he doesn't do anything that you don't think that he can do. It's just you have this moment with him where you're like, oh, this what he's putting up in front of you might just be a ruse. It might just be a brave face for somebody who's scared underneath and wants to be bigger than he already is. So he's putting up a brave face. But what what is underneath is really good training and a really powerful character. So he is going to start going through those assassination techniques and then he actually does them this time. Yeah. Mifune is just like, is this the same person that I just fought? And he's like, I can't sense him. And then when he looks over at Blackstar again, he's like, oh, I can sense just a little bit. And then as he like looks at Blackstar and he's like, I think I can sense him, it starts to fade away. And it's not Blackstar, but instead a shadow clone version of himself that is Subaki. And he appears behind Mifune, hits him so hard in the back with some kind of weird technique that, like, Mifune's, like, his, it's like all of his organs break apart. And he's just, like, spitting up blood and on the ground. 
Yeah, he hits him super hard. It is baller, and the fight is pretty much over. Mifune is mm-hmm. not knocked out or killed or anything, but he is real or really hurt, and they have kind of come to a, a, a uh, an impasse a little bit. And Black Star mm-hmm. is like, "Where is Angela, the witch? I'm going to take her out, and we're going to become a death scythe." Angela then appears, and it turns out that Angela is a very young girl. She's basically a witch in training, but mm-hmm. it counts. She's a witch. And Subaki is like, look, there are 99 souls just waiting here, floating around us. We don't have to kill them. They're already there, ready for the taking. And okay. there's a witch that's basically defenseless. We are never going to have a better chance to just become a death scythe, but I don't know if we should or not. Yeah, and Blackstar comes up with a, uh, like, kind of a pompous way of saying it where it's just like I don't feel like it's earned and I don't think that I could live with myself killing a little girl. Yeah, but he throws Mifune's way... line about not being able to sleep if he kills a child back at him. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and it also gives you like a deeper resonance with Blackstar too. Like you really start to connect with him and you're like, "Oh, this character is much deeper than we're giving him credit for at the very beginning when we meet him." He knows who he is and he knows where he's like coming from here and he doesn't want to earn he doesn't want something that he didn't earn himself. Yeah. And he walks away. He's goofy, he's conceited, he's a showboat, but he's also complex. He has honor. He is such a great character. He's genuinely funny. He has a cool mm-hmm. design. And he he's a great character. I love Blackstar so much. Yeah. Which he would be Anyways. really happy to hear because that's what he wants. Yeah. So episode three is going to be the next one we're going to cover where we're going to meet our last main characters. Uh, sort of last main characters we're going to meet. Um, that's episode three, the perfect boy, death, the kids, magnificent mission. So we're going to learn about death, the kid. Here's the thing about death, the kid. I think he is the most obnoxious character inside of the show with the two most obnoxious weapons. Um, I like him. I think he's funny. (laughs) I, I really don't like him a lot of the time. And it's because he has this quirk that we're going to find out really fast. His quirk is that he is obsessed with symmetry. He wants everything to be symmetrical. When it's not symmetrical, he has like a fucking mental breakdown. Yeah, they pull a sort of um, exaggeratedly specific aspect of like an OCD, um, which I know gets thrown around when people are like, I really like my room to be clean. I'm so OCD. That's not OCD. OCD is like a sort of debilitating illness. And Death Mm -hmm. the Kid has a sort of a version of that that still allows him to be a competent and badass shonen character. So it is not completely debilitating, but he has a a full obsession with symmetry. When things are not symmetrical, he can't let it go. So they're chasing after this thief named Lupin at the beginning, which I don't know if Lupin the third, the anime is based off of like a, a myth or some sort of, you know, fictional character like a King Arthur or like a a mythologized character like an Al Capone. Uh, Or if this is literally just a reference to Lupin the Third, the anime. But uh, yeah, there's a Lupin that's the thief. Death is chasing him. And they he has his guns. It's a pair of guns, which we find out is because he likes symmetry. So he wanted two weapons. Um, They are sisters named Liz and Patty. They turn into their human selves so that they can make this symmetrical... Uh, for it's this goofy like 
performance thing that they do in order to be like, I'm Death the Kid and I'm going to kill you. But Patty is a little bit off, and so Death starts chastising her, and it allows Lupin to escape. Uh, He also has three white stripes in his hair, but only on one side, and somebody points it out to him that he's got that. And so why is he so obsessed with symmetry? And he's like, I know, I'm worthless, I'm detestable, I'm disgusting, and like he just (laughs) cannot let it go. Yeah. So the main mission that he is going to be sent on is going to be taking care of this mummy in Egypt. Um, well, it's he, a it's a necromancer who's summoning mummies. And basically they talk about how she's building an army because she has ris- uh, caused these mummies to rise from the dead. The mummies then go out and kill people, which gives her more corpses to turn into mummies. So her army is growing and she needs to be stopped. Yeah. So Death the Kid is going to go via his transportation device, which is a flying skateboard. Um, yeah, which maybe sounds going... a little 90s or dumb, but it, it works. It's cool. It's The show is stylish, and it, this is part of it. We're also going to yeah. see the the other students, Black Star, Maka, Subaki, Soul. They see this mission, and they wonder who's gone on it. And we'll discover throughout the course of this episode that they do not know Death the Kid. They know of him, and that he is not a student of the school. Yeah. So Death the Kid, as you may have wondered, is actually the son of Death. Um, he is uh, he is given preferential treatment a lot of the time. That will be coming up inside of the show a lot. Yeah, um, he has and, sort of a, an inherited place and a bit of an inherited power, which is one of the reasons I think why he's not a student. Yeah. So um, we are going to uh, see him go into this uh, fight, this necromancer. He's going to we're going to have a a couple of hijinks in this episode, which is like one of the reasons why I I dislike this episode more than the other ones. Um, It's funny because I think the hijinks are pretty comical here, so it doesn't bug me as much. Yeah, so they're gonna go through. Um, they're gonna go through this mummy's maze. There's gonna be a lot of jokes that harken back to wanting symmetry and not seeing symmetry. And when he doesn't see symmetry, he gets upset and he becomes uh, insensitive. And he wants to like change it and he wants to like turn it into like something symmetrical. Yeah. And in the, big the meantime, thing is, they're gonna. He loves this pyramid because everything is perfectly symmetrical. But he has mm-hmm. a, a sort of. I would say a stereotypical, at least from a media presentation standpoint, OCD problem where he starts to wonder about how things are at home. He has that, oh, did I leave the oven on kind of thing? But his worry Mm -hmm. is about a picture that he thinks might be kind of listing to the right a little bit. And it bugs him so much that he disappears on Liz and Patty as soon as the mummies appear. Yeah. And so Liz and Patty are um are having trouble fighting inside of there without Death the Kid. They Except um, it's they cool have... the way that they fight with each other. Cause... Yeah, so they can jump into each other's hands as guns and they can fight that way so that yeah. they can like basically escape from something by turning into a gun and the other person picking them up from the clutches of one of the mummies. It's so cool. there's gonna they be have like a really good synergy with each other. Yeah, so they're going to have, like, a pretty fast fight, um, and then when Death the Kid returns, um, they finally make it to, um, he, he saves them from being almost captured, um, they, um, are fighting against the Necromancer and this final mummy that has appeared, but this final mummy, Death the Kid, for some reason, doesn't want to fight, and he's shrouded in darkness for, like, half of his self is shrouded in darkness, and then you realize the reason he won't fight this mummy is because 
its coffin is perfectly symmetrical. And he's like, yeah. how could I destroy something that is perfect? Yeah, and so the Pharaoh basically takes this opportunity to completely beat up on Death the Kid. He stabs at him, but he's beating him down with a giant hammer fist that he's made out of his bandages. And he is just kicking Death the Kid's ass because Death the Kid will not fight back because it's just too hard for him to lash out against something that has perfect symmetry. And then the Pharaoh decides that this kid is beaten down enough he's about to go and it's not going to be worth killing him unless he could do it directly himself and the sarcophagus opens and out steps the pharaoh and he is completely asymmetrical yes this makes death the kid go completely crazy um there's a really funny moment where they show like the pharaoh's face but only the left and right side at a time while death the kid says left right left and he's like trying to figure out and there's no symmetry and he's like oh my god i hate this thing (laughs) so he fights and defeats the mummy in very short order um with uh his his ability which is to fire these two guns with his hands um holding them in the wrong direction um with uh the kind of the pinky shooting the gun instead um it's a little bit of an obnoxious way to hold a gun. Um, it's but style whatever. over substance. The show has a lot yeah. of that, but the substance is good enough that the style just adds to it. Yeah. So after defeating this pharaoh, this mummy, uh, this mummy army, he is going to fly out of there and go back. Um, they're going to split up the souls um, between his two death sides. Um, but they're, they're like, there's an odd number, but we should still take them. And he's just like, fine, that just means we do need to do another mission so that we can even everything out. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he, he heads off into the sunset so they can find another mission. And then we get a little bit of a narration that reintroduces the characters, Maka and Soul, Blackstar and Tsubaki, and Death the Kid with Liz and Patty. And it tells us that these are our main characters, and the prologue is over, and the story can now begin. But yep. uh, that's all we've watched this us. time, so we're going to have to wait <laughs> until our next Soul Eater episode um, for the actual we story. We are going to be um, uh, jumping in with um, uh, these episodes when we come back to this after the break. Um, so get ready. After the credits, we'll talk about what we'll be covering in the years in special. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday. On iTunes. Google Play. Stitcher. Buzzsprout. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, thanks for listening. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. It's the end of the year, and we've got a double long episode. So put on your Christmas socks, and uh, and that's it. I only own Christmas socks. You just have socks? Yeah, I just have socks. Are you wearing other things, though, like non-Christmas items? Or are you just like sitting on Christmas morning in socks only?
Spencer.